You're listening to the Jabin Chavez Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help you define your organizational culture and leadership values. Jabin is a pastor, artist, and highly sought after speaker who has a long track record of growing departments, ministries, and organizations. We know that this podcast will bring value to you as a leader and to your entire team. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited to share uh, a brand new teaching that I um, just actually shared in El Paso, Texas. I was honored to be with Abundant Church, Pastor Charles Neiman, Pastor Jared Neiman, such an amazing church and ministry, 44 years as a church in El Paso, and they are going strong, reaching the next generation and uh, Pastor Charles is a hero. Well, I got to preach to their church, and then I preached to their staff. And this was just a little leadership teaching that I put together. And uh, I think you're going to love it. And I pray that it's a blessing to you, your ministry, your church. And even if you're not a church leader, I'm praying it's a help to your leadership IQ. Uh, I also want to invite all the senior pastors, all the lead pastors. There's still a few spots available for our senior pastor roundtable. Coming up in September, September 9 and 10, 2021, you can still register. So um, the link is in probably this podcast description. I'm assuming that's where it would be. And uh, just look around for it. If you can't find it, go to my Instagram page, and it's there in my bio as well. Uh, if you're having any issues finding it, just DM me on Instagram. We'll find you, and we'll get you connected. It's going to be a great two days, food laughter, learning, worship, impartation, but more than anything, relationship. We just want to hang out. It's going to be a very small gathering, and um, it is not going to be a preaching fest. It's just going to be senior pastors getting together, lead pastors getting together. I'll be speaking along with Pastor Marcus Meekham from Seven Hills Church in Florence, Kentucky, one of my best friends, and um, we are going to have a blast. Love you guys. Enjoy the podcast. Just want to talk to you a little bit about leadership today. And so I'm going to read a passage of scripture from Acts chapter three, a very familiar passage for a lot of you. And um, we're going to go there in just a moment. But I was thinking about a quote that said that the greatest leaders in America are church leaders. And the reason that they are so great is because they're having to lead volunteers. Um, you know, it's, it's not like a normal company where you just hire whatever you need and that's the end of it. You're actually having to raise up volunteers and you're having to lead volunteers and you're having to equip volunteers and you're having to inspire volunteers. And it's actually a very, uh, it's a very challenging, uh, role that we're in and the, the why behind what we do matter so much because the what won't always make sense. The who isn't always around, but the why is what really inspires it. Now, am I losing my hearing or is that a beep? Okay. Okay. I just thought I'm having a stroke while we're preaching. Okay. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't having a medical emergency. You know, as you're preaching, you're like, am I dying? Right. This isn't Lord. I ain't going out like this. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. Just making sure. So, so we're having to, we're having to inspire Jared. Did you like that? Did you hear me? (laughs) 
Uh, so we're having to we're having to inspire and lead volunteers on a very large level, and in a church like this, the temptation is just to come in and to watch. Yeah, because the worship is unbelievable and the lights are incredible and the screens are the feel like you're moving. You know, during worship, they go to that nature scene last night. We all just pull out our phone and take a picture. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow. And, and the preachers are so incredible in the house. And so, so the temptation is for, for people who come in to go like, well, they don't need me. They got everything and, and, you know, they don't need my help and I can't really, I can't really help. And I'm probably not the right person. And so it's very challenging to be a church leader. Uh, but I believe that you're in the room today and you're a part of this team, a part of this staff, a part of this internship, because there's a grace on your life to do it. And you're the right people at the right time, at the right place. In Jesus' name, somebody give me an amen. And so John Maxwell said that leadership is influence. And that's what all of us are in this room. We're influencers. We are influencing abundant church for good. We're moving the vision forward. We're moving the dream forward. We're, we're moving this, this idea to teach people the abundant life, but we are the enforcers of this vision. We're the enforcers of this dream that God put in pastor's heart literally 44 years ago. And so I say that leadership is the conviction that what you do is important and the skill to ask others to join you in that important work. I'll say it one more time. Leadership is the conviction that what you do is important. You, you need to be convicted of that. You need to be convinced of that, that what you do is important. Whether you are wiping a countertop in the bathroom, whether you are parking a car, whether you are welcoming in a person, whether you're holding a baby or whether you're leading worship or preaching, there must be a conviction that what I do is important. And now here's the art of leadership. That's the conviction. But now here's the skill the skill now to ask others to join you in that important work. That's the whole journey of a leader. And like for me as a pastor, I have to ask the Holy Spirit to remind me and help me to remember that this is so important. That's my heart. But then the skill of the leader, the mind of the leader is bringing people along in this vision. So Nehemiah said it like this in Nehemiah 6.3, I'm engaged in a great work. That was his conviction. And I'm not getting off this wall to go be distracted. I'm, in, I'm engaged in a great work. You have to be convicted that you are engaged in a great work. What is the great work? The great work is building the only thing that Jesus is building. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Not I will build my ministry, not I will promote my gifting, I will build my church, the ecclesia, the gathering of the saints, leaving our homes and gathering together publicly to worship God. I am building a gathering, not a building, but a gathering. The church is not a building, but it is a gathering. And that's why every week we look into that camera and go, come on, you've been online long enough. Y'all tracking with me? Time to come back to church. Why? Because the church is not just preaching. The church is the gathering. The church is not just ministry. It's the gathering. The church is not just 
uh, using your gift. It's the gathering of the saints. I'm involved in a great work, an important work. I'm convicted of that, and now I have a skill. I'm drawing people into that work. Leadership to me is the ability to inspire, to ask, to encourage, and to communicate. And every one of you needs to grow in your ability to inspire, to ask, to encourage, and to communicate. So with all that being said, this is Acts chapter 3, verse 4. Peter looked straight at him. Who did he look at? He looked at the, the man who was begging at the gate, beautiful. Peter looked straight at him, and he said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple, walking and jumping and praising God. I want to talk about, just for a few moments, going first as a leader. Leaders are initiators. Leaders are initiators. That natural gift of leadership that you can see on someone's life, one of the things, the, one of the quickest ways that you can discern a leader is that they're just initiators. They just go first. And then it's up to us, once we've been given leadership responsibility, to grow in our initiation abilities. You have, to, you have to grow in this because if not, you'll just sit on the sidelines and you'll wait to be empowered instead of taking a step and doing anything. And there are so many frustrated church people that are waiting to be noticed and anointed and appointed by their pastor instead of ever getting involved. Well, I'll get involved when they ask me. Now, I would rather have to pull you back than beg you to come along. Leaders initiate. That's what a leader, a leader initiates. And to me, Peter is one of the great leaders of the book of Acts. He, he, he's constantly doing this uh, to his own weakness, right? Because he messed up a few times too. But, but I'd rather take someone that's at least trying and sinking, like I talked about last night, than just sitting in the boat waiting. So, so here's, when I talk about I go first, here's the first thing. I communicate first. Write that down. I communicate first. I communicate first. Here's what Peter said. Look at us. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. He, he starts, see, the, the, the man was not asking Peter and John for money. He was asking the crowd for money. He's just begging. He's just begging. He's just begging. He's looking at everybody. And Peter breaks through the ice. He communicates first and he goes, look at us. Stop looking at everybody else. You don't need everybody else. You need me. I'm the leader. Peter takes responsibility for the moment and leads the moment. He does not let the, the beggar lead the moment. He leads the moment. Stop letting a volunteer with a bad attitude lead that ministry. I, but I don't want to offend them. They're already screwing up the whole atmosphere of your ministry. You have to lead. Well, if I say that, they might get offended. They're already offended. That's why you're on eggshells. You got to get the team back looking at you and not at them. 
you, you control that atmosphere. You control the tone. Peter said, you look at us. You're looking at everybody. You look at, look at me. I'm, I'm the one who has answers here. I communicate first. Here's just a few questions I'd love for you to wrestle with. Here's one. Does my team feel communicated too? If we were to ask your team, how's the communication level? What would they say? Maybe you need to ask them. Maybe not in a public forum where it could get awkward, but maybe just go up to somebody. Am I doing a good job? Am I, do you feel like I'm giving you the info you need? Do you feel like I'm talking to you? Do you feel like I'm, does, does my team feel communicated to where, where there is no communication, there is no order. Where there is no order, there is no health. Or there is no health, there is no growth. If you're looking at your ministry and it feels stagnant and cold and off, go back to communication. Am I talking to them? Does my team feel communicated to you? Here's one. Am I proactive? Am I being proactive? Listen, I don't know if you guys use Planning Center here. Planning center is not leadership. Well, it's on the planning center. Planning center is not leadership. Scheduling is not leadership. Well, I sent the invitation. They didn't respond. Then, no, are you proactive? Can you tell my pastor? <laughs> I need to relax. I like feel the anointing right now. I'm like screaming at you guys. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Say it with you. Well, yeah, they didn't show up. I guess they, I guess they never, I guess they never accepted. Are you proactive? Do, do they even know that you care? Do they even know that it's important that they're hosting? Does it even, do they even know it's important that they're going to go greet out in the lobby? Do they, do they even feel that from you? Are you being proactive? Are you communicating? Are they looking at you? Are they looking around you trying to find leadership? Why does everybody leave your ministry? Why does everybody join that ministry? It's a leadership issue. It's not because they're more talented. It's not because they're better look. Well, if I was cool like Cruz, maybe. Don't, don't, don't believe that lie. Am I being proactive in my communication? Am I, am I communicating to my team on a regular basis or only when there's an issue? Do, do they only hear from you when they're in trouble? Why are you late? Well, how many times are you going to ask them that before you just take them to coffee and teach them about the why? Hey, let me tell you why it's important that we're here on time. Let me tell you why, you're, why your role matters. Let me tell you why it's a big deal that we've entrusted you with this service. Am I sharing the why? Am I sharing the why? What have, what have you communicated to your teams, even from last night? Thank you so much for serving last night. Man, celebrating 40-something salvations. Man, amazing at the west side. Amazing what's happening in kids. Oh my God, the worship. So proud of our team. Just want to thank you for serving. If, if you're too busy to communicate, you're too busy. So you need to restructure your day to be able to communicate to your teams because you're not going to pay them. And you shouldn't need to pay them because money doesn't inspire anyway. What, what, if your team member thinks, well, I would, I would do this if I got paid, that's a leadership issue. Not on them, on you. They don't feel the reward of the why. 
Man, I just want to, man, we just had this food giveaway. We just fed so many hundreds of people. We just gave away so many thousands of food. I just want to thank you for playing your part. Thank you for getting here early and doing that. Thank you for, everybody should feel appreciated and everybody should know the why. And it is up to us to share that appreciation. It's up to us to share the why. Here, here's another one. I say hello first. Like as practical as just you say hi. So when someone walks in to your airspace, you don't just look at them. Isn't it so easy to get comfortable with our people? Isn't it just so easy to just sit there and hey, listen, there's something about getting up. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. What's going on? How are you? Yeah, good. That's going to be a great day. Just boom. Someone walks in late, so they already feel weird and they already feel awkward. And you just glare over at them and then you keep going on with your thing. Don't do that. Look right at them and go, hey, glad you're here. Glad you're here. Just say hello really quick. Break the ice. We're icebreakers. We break the ice. We welcome them in. If, if they're consistently late, we have a quick meeting. Hey, I just noticed you're always late. Is everything okay? Well, yeah, you know, just what, okay, well, hey, it's a really big deal that you're here on time because you play such an, and you just communicate. You don't ice people out. You bring people in. I communicate first. That took way too long. Number two, I serve first. I serve first. What I have, I give. What I have, I give to you. I serve first. I set the example. I am the example. Paul said, whatever you've seen in me in word and in deed, do that. I set the tone. You're walking through the lobby. There's a piece of trash on the floor. Pick it up. Well, why do you have to do that? You're, you're on staff. Don't we, don't we have custodians? Yeah, we have custodians. But I'm a servant. I didn't graduate from serving. Serving is not a time period. Serving is not a, is not a thing that I, that I clock in and clock out of. I'm a servant. Because I'm a servant, I serve. I serve all the time. I set the example. I'm giving. I'm a giver. I'm generous. You see it in my life. I'm generous with my words. I'm generous with my attitude. I'm generous with my smile. I'm generous around the church grounds. I'm just, I serve. And I serve first. And my team has a clear cut example of my expectations, not just because I communicated it, but because I lived it. And so they know it's a big deal. And they know what the expectation is because they see it in me every day. They see that I care. They, they see that I was washing my hands in the bathroom and there's water all over. I mean, I don't know what our church people do when they wash their hands. Can I get a witness? I mean, I just don't understand it. I, yeah, I think they just, ha ha, let's have a water park. I don't understand it. But you know what I do every time I'm in my church bathroom, because I'm we're still a very small church. I don't have a green room yet. I'm in the public bathroom with everybody else at the urinal. Hey, how are you doing? They're like, oh my God, are you the pastor? Yeah, that's me. And so, and then I wash my hands and then I go grab paper towels and I wipe everything down. And there's paper towels around the, the trash can because it's too hard to actually put it in the trash can for adults. And so I go around and I pick them up and I put them in, I shove it down. Then I go have to go wash my hands again, praise the Lord. And then I got to do the whole thing again. And then I serve first because I didn't graduate from serving when I became the boss. 
influence is the gift God gives me, but influence does not replace servanthood. In influence is this gift that, that God places on you to reach more people, but servanthood is the heart. And I never lose the heart of servanthood. We do not grow in leadership so we get more benefits. I don't, I don't, my goal is not more leadership so I get to park in the back. My goal is not more leadership so I get a key fob to the green room. My goal is not more leadership so I get a better seat. My goal is not I want to grow in leadership or grow in servanthood so that pastor knows who I am or so that I get a follow from one of the executive team. Or, no, I'm not growing for perks. The perks are great. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. That amazing churches like this, they fly me out and they put me in beautiful hotels and I get to preach. I get to help people. I get to preach the gospel. I, how, what an honor. I don't do any of it for that. It's a blessing. It's a, it's a gift from God. I'm so, I'm so humbled. I don't expect it. Every good thing in my life is a blessing. Every good thing in my life is a blessing. And, and nobody owes me anything. Nobody owes me anything. So I don't live with an entitled spirit. I live with a serving spirit. I serve first. We grow in leadership and we grow in influence only to serve on a bigger level. That's why we can give away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds of food and probably millions of pounds of food instead of a couple of hundred pounds of food. While this church is big, no, it's reach is big. We don't do this for bigger buildings and, and bigger stuff. We do this to reach more people. Yes, God has grown my influence only so that I can serve on a greater level. Give me a good amen right there. I don't, I don't graduate from serving. I don't graduate from giving. I grow in it. I, gr I mature in it. You are not trying to serve your way out of serving. <laughs> well, I'll do it now so that I don't have to do it later. You never outgrow it because Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant. And Peter looked at that man and he said, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to serve you. Number, number three, I reconcile first. I reconcile first. Here's what he did. He helped him up. Peter said, look at us. He said, I'm going to give you something. And then he reached out. He reconciled first. He reconciled first. Are we helping? I just, I just want you to think about this with your team. Are you helping your team? Does your, does your team feel helped by you? Or do they feel intimidated by you? And let me maybe flip it. Are you intimidated by some of your team members? Because if you're intimidated by them, you will never help them. If you're threatened by them, you'll never serve them. If you live with the spirit of, well, man, they're really good. I think they're actually better than me. And if I promote them, maybe I'll be out of a job. You're, you're never going to be out of a job at a healthy church like this for empowering people. 
you bring no value being a bottleneck. But it happens. All of a sudden, it's like only, only he knows how to do that. And we're all at his mercy. Uh-uh. Bottlenecks got to go. We're going to break them quick. Are you a bottleneck in your ministry because you're intimidated by the talent that's beneath you? Raise them up. Help them up. If you have an awesome team, that's not going to make you look weak. It's going to make you look awesome. If you have a talented team, that's not going to make you look like you have less talent. It's going to make you look like you're secure. Who, who are you helping up? Who are you raising? Oh, I was so proud of this worship team last night. I was so proud of this young girl and that young girl, and this young guy. Is Ezra better than all of them? Yeah. Does Ezra have more authority than all of them? Yeah. Has Ezra been doing this since the freaking gym days over there? Yeah. And none of them made him look bad. Every one of them was amazing and it only makes him look better. Because it goes, man, he's secure. Wow, he's raising up the next generation. See, there's this really fine line because you're, you're paid to do two things in a church and it's, and it's very hard to find the line. Here's the line. I'm paid to do a task and I'm paid to empower. And that's never going away. That's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. You're never going to get rid of that. It's a tension that you're going to have to constantly manage. So, so here's what it looks like for me. I want to empower people to do things. I never want to dump on people the things that I don't want to do. That's the balance. The balance is this is a massive honor and a blessing and a privilege, and I'm going to empower you to do it. I'm going to make sure you don't sink. I'm going to make sure you don't fail. I'm going to make sure you don't just totally screw up. I'm going to be there right. That's different than, oh man, I don't want to get there. So you, you guys go do it. That's dumping. That, that's not empowerment. That's not leadership. That's laziness. But there's the tension of that that never goes away. And you have to learn how to live in it. And you go, Jabin, how do I do It's going to take work. It's going to take skill. It's going to take it's going to take so much time to learn that, but it is something you have to learn and it's something that you're going to have to walk in. I reconcile first. I'm helping people up. I'm, I'm raising the level of the people in my life. Are my teams getting better because of me? Are my teams getting better because of me? Only you can answer that. Number four, am I doing okay on time? Is this okay? Okay. I pray first. I pray first. In the name of Jesus, Peter said. Listen, he brought Jesus into the moment. Don't be so practical that you can no longer be spiritual no longer be so obsessed with the task that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. Bring Jesus. In. Well, we're just, we're just helping people get seated. Bring Jesus into the usher ministry. Bring Jesus into the worship ministry. Bring Jesus into the tech ministry. Bring Jesus into the youth ministry. In the name of Jesus, I am the spiritual leader of the moment. And I refuse to allow 
these, they're amazing people, but they've just worked 40, 50, 60 hours for the week. They're coming in to serve. I'm not allowing the distractions of their day and the busyness of their day. And the, I'm not allowing them to set the tone for the ministry. I'm going to set the tone for the ministry in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to raise their faith to my level. I'm going to be a spiritual leader. I'm going to be a pray first leader. Man, that's going on in your life. Let's pray right now. Right now, let's pray. Hey, pastor, will you just be praying for me about this? Yeah, oh, for sure. But let, right now, let's pray. Come on, let's pray right now. What's going on in your, who, what's that person's name? Let's pray for him right now. How are you doing? You seem a little off today. Is everything okay? Well, actually, you know, at work. And, all right, let's pray right now. Man, you just, are, is everything okay? Your attitude just seems a little funky today. It just, well, you know, yeah. okay, all right, let's pray right now. I'm gonna pray for you right now. You just, you learn to pray for us. You learn to lead spiritually. You learn to lead with the word. You learn to shut down gossip. You learn to, to shut down the complaining. You learn to change the atmosphere. I'm, I pray first. I don't let the team come in and decide the atmosphere for the team for that day. I don't let the worship team come in and decide what kind of, no, I'm the worship leader. I'm saying, this is our atmosphere today. I don't, I don't let the kids workers come in and decide what, how they're going to treat the kids today. No, I'm going to set the atmosphere for the day. I pray first and God has entrusted me with this. Therefore I can do it because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I'm going to lead spiritually and I'm going to push out negativity and it might feel a little awkward at first and it, and it might get you out of your comfort zone at first, but this is, this is why. You will see a church, see, because all church cultures are by design or by default, all of them. And if you let it just live by default, we are always trending negative, always, because we're human. So with, by default, your ministry will start getting toxic. By default, your ministry will start getting clicky. By default, your ministry will start shrinking. By default, your ministry will start getting all about us and not about the church. By default, your ministry will get all about you and not about the vision of the house. Just by default, it'll start happening. So by design, I have to push the thing in a healthy direction. I have to push the thing focused on the vision of the house. I have to push the thing focused on the vision of the pastor. I have to push the thing towards health. I have to push the thing towards vitality. So if you look at a ministry and the ministry is a mess, you don't get to blame 40 volunteers. They go, well, yeah, I just, it's just my luck. I got all the dysfunctional people in the church. No, you've, by, you've let the ministry run by default. And what happens, and we've seen this over 44 years of ministry, and I've seen this over three years of ministry, you change the leader and the ministry changes. And all of a sudden, all of those crazy, difficult, wild people all of a sudden become awesome because they were not, they were, they were simply reflecting the culture and the spirit of the leader. So I pray first, I set the tone, I lead spiritually and my ministry will follow. Number five, and I'm done. We lean in first. We lean in first. They walked into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. We lean in first. We are the thermostats. 
not the thermometers. We're the thermostats. Listen, if church is cold and dry on a Sunday, we don't, we don't judge our people for that. We, we are the thermostats. Hey, church is just a little bit. No, we're the thermostats. We set the tone. If you've ever walked into a faith-filled church that's just alive and vibrant and, and there's a shout in the house, there's an amen in the house, there's a, there's a song in the house, there's a clap in the house, that did not happen by accident. That happens by design. I am the thermostat. I decide the spiritual temperature. And when you walk into churches like that, I promise you that was on purpose and it took time. You have to work at it. You have to set the atmosphere and you might be going, oh man, well, why, you know, why are you pushing me to be responsive in church? And why do I got to clap? Why do I got to shout? Why do I got to lift my hands? And why do I got to say amen? And why do I got to take notes? And is it, this is not because as a communicator, I'm insecure and I need feedback from you. I'm not, I'm not insecure. Your pastors are not insecure. You're setting the sound of the room. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You're, you're setting the tone of the room. Paul and Silas praised and everyone got set free. They set the tone of the jail cells. They set the tone. They didn't go, well, I guess this is it. No, they started singing. They started praying. They started lifting up psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They began to worship and they changed the atmosphere of a dungeon. We can change the atmosphere of a church. And so you might be sitting there going, man, I just, man, Jared's preaching so good. No one's saying amen. Start it. Start the wave. The wave's got to start somewhere. It should start with us. If Jared ever walks off the, or pastor ever walks off the stage, man, they just weren't really with me. You should be like, well, I didn't even hear that because I was so into it. I was so trying to push to get this room going. You should be the person. Listen, if you walk into church and you lift your hands and you clap and you shout, that is going to do something in the house that is both spiritual and natural. You're not only doing something spiritual that God will honor and that God will move upon, but you're doing something natural that sets the tone for your, for your people. If you walk into church and you stand there and you just, all the earth. Man, they're really good. They're good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Great. There's nothing. And you've just taught everyone around you that that's our level. This does not happen by accident. You have to go in walking and jumping and praising God. You have to set the tone. You have, somebody has to start the clap. Somebody has to stand for the preacher. Somebody has to say amen. Somebody has to lean in in that worship moment. Somebody has to be the person. And I go first. I set the tone. Not because we're trying to live in some hyped up. It's like it's heaven and it's hype. And it's both. And sometimes it's a little more hype than heaven. And sometimes it's a little more heaven than hype. But it's. <laughs> but I'm living in this. And I'm creating a spiritual atmosphere of walking and jumping and praising God. Not for the sake, again, of the communicator, but for the sake 
of the tone of the kind of church that we want to build. And we want to build a church that is believing and speaking. Hello. I know the Apostle Paul wrote that, but I feel like Charles Neiman wrote that. <laughs> and we cannot be a church that stands on believing and speaking and then doesn't speak during the message. We can't be a church that preaches believing and speaking and then doesn't sing. We can't be a church that says we're believing and speaking and then doesn't shout. Again, Ezra's not going to, I mean, it's just not going to get any better. Y'all, this is amazing. What the, the next level of atmosphere is not, well, if we could just get one more really good singer, well, if we could just get one more really, that's not it. We could get one more LED wall in here. I think it could really. This is amazing. It's, it starts at the front row and it sets the tone all through the church. That's, what, that's where it happens. And you create a lean in in the church. I lean in first. I go first. When Ezra read from the scroll in Nehemiah, they shouted amen. Just think of that atmosphere. They shouted amen. How about in, in Isaiah chapter 6, the, the, the seraphim and the cherubim, they're circling the throne saying, watch this, to each other, holy, holy, holy. Not to God. They're in the presence of God talking to each other. He is so holy. And then as they circle, because if you've ever thought about what, the, what those seraphim look like, I mean, they're freaky. They're covered in eyes. So as they're getting different glimpses of who God is, and they're seeing him from new places, they just keep yelling at each other, he is holy. He is holy. Oh, he is holy. He, and they start, and, and theologians call this antiphonal worship. They call it antiphonal singing, where they're not saying it to God, they're saying it to those around them. Because as they do, their faith rises and their worship rises because there is actually a spirit of revelation that is released as the preacher and the Christian, as the preacher and the people, as they start talking to each other, the revelation starts to rise in the room. So it's one thing to just talk to a dead, quiet room that's just staring at you. It is absolutely a different thing. If you're preaching and they're at the edge of their seat and they're taking notes, come on, pastor, that's good. And pastor starts getting, listen, if, if he's just doing opening remarks, you don't have to jump on your feet. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. You don't, I mean, that's weird. But if pastor's going in, go in with him. Stand up with him. Clap with him. Shout with him. Say amen with him. Help, help the room move in that direction again and you're going well should this just happen by the leading of the holy spirit we go we're going to be waiting forever we decide the atmosphere of the room the spirit of god fell Acts chapter 2 and they prayed they spoke in tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance it is a partnership it's a partnership well i'll say amen if i really like the point You're saying amen to the word. You're speaking into the room. You know, God created light at the beginning. And then a few days later, he said, let's get some sun and some moon and some stars and some firmament and some, he's into atmosphere. There was already light. It was light. But then he created the atmosphere that made it beautiful. There's light in a dentist office, but it's not nice. There's a light in an emergency room, but it's not nice. 
We're, we're creating atmosphere with our words and with our lean in and with our voice and with our body. And, and communication is not just voice, it's body language. It's facial expression, it's nodding, it's, and I go first. So I just want you to think about the atmosphere of that church in Acts chapter three, as Peter, John, and this healed man, they come walking in, jumping and leaping and praising God. I'm telling you right now, the room would have shifted. And it is on us to bring the amen into the room to bring the so be it into the room, to bring the vocal gifts. When the Spirit of God moved in Acts, you see it over and over again. People spoke in tongues. People prophesied. People praised God. People prayed. People preached with boldness. Every time the Spirit of God moved, people's mouths started to move. And we should be a church that can lean into those moments. And I, I mean, I thought last night was incredible. I'm not saying any of this because of anything I felt last night. I thought it was unbelievable. But I'm just saying, don't wait on the people to come in and decide the temperature of that service. We decide it. On a rainy day, we decide it. On a bitter cold day in January, we decide it. On a hotter than Hades day in August, we decide it. We, <laughs> we, we set the tone. Not the quality of the song, not if it's our jam, not if it's, we set that to, we lean in, we go first. Everybody say, I go first. One more time, say, I go first. All right, now find somebody around you, say, we go first, we go first, we go first. So we set the tone. We are, we are designing our culture. And I'll, I'll just say this, and in, in, I got to end. This is the, the part of a church where there can be some controversy in the staff as you start to dictate the culture of the house, many times staff could feel like, well, that's being, that's, you're trying to force it. We're not trying to force it. We never would. But we are trying to design it. We're not going to force it, but we're going to design it. Because we've all been in those amazing services where the faith is high. And we want to make sure we're designing around that. And we're, and we're, trying to create elements to have that kind of expression in every service, whether it's a, a midweek or a staff meeting or a youth meeting or a Sunday morning or thrive or anything else. And so we go first. And I, I think if, if you'll practice these principles in your teams, you'll start to see, you'll start to see health and you'll start to see the, the tide of your team, the sound of your team, the culture of your team start to be designed into health and not into, man, I just feel like I'm out of control with these people in there. <laughs> I feel like they're the boss. No, look at us. And then you bring them into what God has for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you. Bless you. That's it.